Welcome to our Easter celebration. Oh, we are so excited to be here and to hear about the mentoring program and also to be with our community this morning with the Easter egg hunt and to meet people and to have fun and, and to just to get to know our community better. I love the Tri-Cities. The Tri-Cities is, is just my home now. I've, I've lived all over and I'm just so excited um, to be here and so excited now to get to sit and and take a little breather and reflect on the resurrection of Jesus and to celebrate who God is and to have some honest conversation over the real meaning of Easter. So first, the backstory. Uh, Jesus was born in a quiet little community called Bethlehem. Um, He was raised a carpenter's son. And uh, by the time he was 30 years old, he took on the title and the role of a rabbi. In first century Israelite culture, the rabbi was the teacher, and it was an incredibly revered position, just like teachers today in our culture. No, that's not true. It was very different, very different. No, it was the highest honor and, and role that a person could play in Israelite society. Jesus took on the role of a rabbi at 30 years old. He called 12 apostles, 12 disciples who would follow him, his closest followers. And uh, for, tw- for three years, these 12 men got to walk with Jesus, learn the things that he knew, uh, learn to do the things that he did. They got to engage in in the work of Jesus. But three years into his ministry, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these are the religious rulers of the day in Israel. They had Jesus arrested on false charges. Uh, he was threatening their power. Uh, he was threatening uh, the systems and the structures that they had built into Israelite culture. So they had him arrested. And they had him hung on a cross, uh, we, we sang about it this morning in one of our songs. Um, we sang in the second verse of How Deep the Father's Love. Uh, this last Friday, we had a Good Friday service. Thank you, Craig and Erica, for leading us in that. And one of the things that struck me most about the crucifixion story um, was the mockery. Uh, the number of people that are mentioned mocking Jesus. If Jesus is the Son of God, can you imagine the experience of the mockery as he's beaten and as he's hung on a cross? And so the guards, even the men hanging next to him on crosses themselves, found the courage and the strength to mock Jesus as he hangs on this cross. And finally, he breathes his last breath. This is Good Friday. This is what we call Good Friday. He dies on a cross, and he's buried. His apostles remain in hiding. They've run away in fear, and they remain hiding on Saturday. Very little happens. They find themselves distraught by the events of the past few days. This man they had followed for three years just died on a cross. They find themselves disillusioned by the experiences of the past three years. What did we experience? How, how could it have ended like this? And they find themselves fearful of what was to come, but then came Sunday. Join me in reading. We're going to read John 20, starting in verse 1. Should be up on the screen so you can follow along. Early in the, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. 
So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So this is John's account of that Resurrection (laughs) Sunday. And there's this part in here that I love, actually two of them. Um, when John writes his, this gospel, when he writes this account of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, um, he doesn't name himself in it, uh, but he gives himself a title in this text. Uh, in verse 2, he called himself the one Jesus loved. Uh, <laughs> So you might start to get this inkling, man, John's feeling a little boastful, but it doesn't end there uh, because he chooses to include in the resurrection story the fact that he won the foot race over Peter, right? I love this text. I think it's hilarious. You see just the realness uh, of these men as they are experiencing something far outside of, their, outside of the scope of their imagination. We also see in this text... Um, some description of Mary Magdalene. And I love reading about Mary Magdalene. We don't know a ton about her. Um, We do know that she had previously been possessed by demons and that she was in a very poor, poor state, and she had encountered Jesus. And when she encountered Jesus, she... He had a profound impact on her. He, they had this, this encounter where he healed her and brought sanity back into her life. And we know that she started this journey of following Jesus, this journey of belief. And as he was a traveling rabbi, she was one of the women who followed and who would watch the miracles and who would listen to the teachings and who would help provide for Jesus as he went about his ministry. And towards the end, um, as we were looking at his, his arrest and crucifixion, we see that Mary was one of the few disciples that stayed with Jesus. She did not flee. And so scripture mentions Mary Magdalene standing there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the other women watching as Jesus was crucified, even though most of the other disciples had fled. And then in this passage, in John uh, John 20, verse 1, it talks about Mary being the first to go to the tomb. And she couldn't even wait until dawn. She had to to get up and go in the dark. And she was the first one there, and she was the first to see that the stone um, barring the entrance of the tomb had been rolled away. And she looked inside, and Jesus wasn't there. And so she ran to tell the other disciples. She assumed that Jesus, his body had been stolen. And so she went to tell the disciples that Jesus was not there. 
And Mary's story continues in John 20, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look at the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And then she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had, uh, and she told them that he had said these things to her. So we see Mary here as she's the first to go to the tomb. She's, she's distraught. She's weeping. She's overwhelmed by her grief over Jesus' death. And now as she thinks that Jesus' body has been stolen, she's overwhelmed with grief and sadness. And I love how this part of the story plays out. First the angels appear, and then Jesus appears, but he, she doesn't recognize him. She thinks it's the gardener. And, and she assumes when he approaches her that he knows where the body is. So she's overwhelmed, and she says, please, please, just show me where the body is, and I'll transport it back. Like, I'll take care of it, trying to give the gardener an easy way out. And it's beautiful in the story when Jesus says her name, when he says Mary, then she recognizes him because Jesus knew her by name and Jesus knows us by name. And, and when he said her name, he, she recognized him and, and Jesus tells her, uh, you know, I am, I am he. He, she, he opens her eyes and she recognizes that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And, and I look at this story and I think, why would Jesus choose her? I mean, if you think about the story of Jesus, he, he's gone through three years of ministry, he's taught, he's argued with the teachers of the law about what's right, and, and then the teachers of the law have him crucified, and now here's his big moment. He could appear with a bright light right in the middle of the synagogue, surprise them all, but he doesn't. He appears, he chooses to appear first to Mary. Mary, who had been the social outcast. Mary, who had been tainted by her past. Mary, who was a woman, which in this culture, when a woman's testimony wasn't valued, wasn't, wasn't valid, because um, women didn't have the, the same rights that men did at that time. And so it's interesting, a woman's testimony wasn't valid in court at that time. And so here Jesus is, he could appear to anyone, and he appears to Mary first. And so I have to ask the question, why is that? Why does he appear to Mary? I think it has something to do with Jesus being the humble king, 
coming in with humility. And I think it also has something to do with her faith. He had met Mary when she was at a place of rock bottom, and he had changed her. He had changed her life. She had allowed God to change her life. And her transformation was remarkable. She went from being an outcast to a disciple. She went from being um, in despair to living out of hope. She went from being a victim to a leader in, in the disciples group and movement. Mary Magdalene had experienced the healing and the transformative power of Jesus. And this is, this power, this is part of the resurrection power that we're talking about today. Mary's story is remarkable, and yet she'll not be the only one to witness Mm -hmm. a risen Savior. So let's read on just a little further. In 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus comes and he appears to uh, his closest followers here. In a moment of fear in their life, Jesus speaks these words, uh, peace be with you. And in our anxieties and the things that we're experiencing in this week, and as we approach Easter, or as we, yeah, as we approach Easter with our, with our fears, our doubts, our confusions, God speaks these words, peace be with you, a risen Savior, Jesus who has overcome death speaks these words, peace be with you. And yet as the story continues, not all 12 of the apostles were in the room as Jesus first appeared. Verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So John, who a few minutes ago uh, called himself the beloved one and uh, bragged of his cross-country prowess, uh, decides also to tell a story about someone else not quite as flattering as the first information uh, that he shared in this text. Uh, no, in this story, he chooses to tell of, of Thomas, the 12th apostle to witness uh, Jesus, or the, or the final apostle to witness Jesus. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
And uh, he tells this story, uh, which we often refer to as um, the story of Doubting Thomas. Uh, Doubting Thomas. So we don't hear much about Thomas throughout the Gospels. Kind of the primary story we get isn't a great one about him. And, and, And he's referred to as Doubting Thomas. But I wonder today, is his doubt that much unlike our own? With the, with the claim as radical as resurrection from the dead on the table here, is his doubt that different from our own? We approach the subject today of resurrection if we are engaged, probably many of us, with doubts and with fears, sometimes with indifference. We approach the subject of resurrection today realistically understanding that this is a big Claim It was difficult even for Thomas, having heard from the others, he has risen. And so Thomas gets this bad, um, kind of a bad name in this text, but I don't know that it should be so. Because what seems a failure on the part of Thomas, in fact, invites us to understand something remarkable about Jesus. That in our doubt, Jesus invites us to approach So our question today is, will we approach Jesus with all of our doubt and with all of our fear and with all of the baggage that comes with it? Will we approach to see, to experience a risen Savior? And wouldn't it be remarkable if I got to say right now, and coming in from the side door is Jesus. You can feel the (laughs) wounds, but that's not the way it works. And so we ask, how do I get to approach Jesus? How do I get to experience this risen Savior? And I want to invite you on a journey A journey of walking in the ways of Jesus in which he reveals himself to us in remarkable ways. Talk with a friend that's followed Jesus for some time. Talk about that journey and the experiences of walking in the ways of Jesus and how we become convicted. How we come to experience a risen Savior. The invitation today is to rhythms of life, of worship, and service that can and will clearly reveal the character of a risen Savior. So there's two people in this story that encounter the risen Savior. We have Mary, who's experienced the transforming power of Jesus in radical ways in her life already, who's wholeheartedly committed to Jesus, and Jesus chooses to approach her first when he is resurrected. And then there's Thomas. Thomas um, approaches Jesus with with his questions and his doubts. And Jesus comes to Thomas and says, come to me, approach and ask those questions and those doubts. And so we want to ask today, to whom do you relate the most to? Right now, we're in different seasons. Right now in your life, are, are you more like Mary? Are you more like Thomas? And the good news is that wherever we're at in our faith, Jesus invites us to approach him. Jesus invites us on this journey of belief in him where we open ourselves up to God and he does incredible things in our lives. And maybe you're here today and you're asking, well, how do I do this? And it can be really simple. I would say that the main thing is to genuinely seek God to genuinely seek God, to ask the question, who is this Jesus? Who is he? 
and ask God himself to reveal himself to us and also to be honest in our self-reflection, to ask the question, who am I? How am I living right now? And, and where is the disconnect between who God is and who I am? And as we open ourselves up to God, as we bring our questions and our doubts to him, as we commit our time and our energy to grow a relationship with him, the spirit shapes us. It molds us into beautiful and unique reflections of God. And our world desperately needs that. We need that, and our world desperately needs that. If we choose to truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then that really does change everything. We come to celebrate a risen Savior, and I've got to be honest, it's easy to come in a posture of indifference. But if we're truly talking about resurrection today, friends, it changes everything. On Friday, he died on a cross. On Saturday, his closest followers had abandoned the cause, and they found themselves distraught and disillusioned and fearful. And many of us might be experiencing some of those uh, in, in our lives right now, distraught over the events of the past few days or disillusioned by the events of the past three years or fearful of what is to come in our lives. Many of us experience these sorts of emotion. But on Sunday, he rose from the dead, and that changes everything. Where, where once we might have been distraught, we are invited to realize hope. Hope for eternity, but not just far off, a hope that is here and now and today. And where once we might have been disillusioned, we find confidence in Jesus. And where once we might have been fearful, we take courage as we walk together in the ways of Jesus, a risen Savior. Because the resurrection really does change everything. It's a demonstration that Jesus Christ really was and is the Son of God, divinity in human form. It's a demonstration that he really does have power over everything, including death. And with Jesus alive, this gives us great hope because his resurrection power lives inside of us and it heals our brokenness. It creates new life. It defines who we are as hopeful and as confident and as courageous followers of Jesus. The resurrection really does change everything. And so our invitation today is to come and to know a risen Savior. And you might be early in that journey and seeking to understand or believe for the first time, we invite you on a journey of walking in the ways of Jesus to explore this concept. You might have known Jesus for a long time throughout your life. We invite you to invest more fully in the knowledge mm -hmm. of a risen Savior and the life that we're invited into. We live into the hope that is found in a risen Savior and that changes everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time and this opportunity uh, to worship, uh, to have fun, to play outside in the grass on a beautiful day and collect Easter eggs. Father, we thank you for an opportunity this morning uh, 
to remember uh, a much deeper meaning behind Easter, and that is the resurrection. Father, give us courage to believe. Give us courage to walk in your ways. Father, allow us to know more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'd like to close our service with this last word. This morning, may we, like Mary, recognize Jesus when he calls our name. May we, like Thomas, approach Jesus with questions and doubts and receive acceptance and peace. And may we lean deeply as a people into the hope of resurrection, knowing that our hearts and our lives are woven, woven into the greater story of God. Once more, we just want to invite you to join us as we look at the continuance of God's story, how our lives are truly interwoven into God's plan and purpose. Thank you for being with us, and have a great week. Blessings.